0: Good morning. As I was thinking about the passage that Pastor Paul has given me to preach this morning, I thought about an internship I did at a church in Orlando when I was 19. One of the other ministry leaders had come to me, and they wanted to move a TV down three flights of stairs. It was on a tall TV stand that we rolled into the stairwell... And I immediately got nervous. And I said, Jamie, I don't think this is a good idea. Maybe we should take the elevator. But he confidently insisted that we could do it. And so we struggled down a couple steps. The TV stand tilted. The TV snapped off the stand, fell down three flights of stairs, and exploded on the concrete. Now, in that situation, whose response was right? To to be a little nervous and cautious about that or to have the confidence to say, we can do this. The truth is that our confidence and caution can be a harmful response and an insecure response caution and confidence can also come from a place of security. Ultimately, what makes the difference, as these things, as these situations, as these unstable things come into our lives, will be determined by whether or not we identify with Christ and have our security in Him. There are things in this world, in this broken world, that will continually press in on us to threaten our security, our stability, and our sense of peace. It'll be that lie that comes into a cherished relationship that creates some brokenness. It could be that coworker who continually highlights your mistakes and downplays your successes. Or it could be that disease that comes in to threaten your life. If we have what Paul Tripp calls identity amnesia, then we are going to respond to those things with fear, with worry and we're going to feel that instability but if we do what the Apostle Paul did throughout his ministry and that he exemplified in Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 through 24 if we do what he did and anchor our identity in Jesus Christ then we will be able to respond to any threat that comes against us no matter how menacing With a sense of strength, security, and what Jesus called in Isaiah, the perfect peace that we get as we have our minds focused on God. And as we dive into this, I want to explain to you how Pastor Paul, or not Pastor Paul, but the Apostle Paul, how... His identity with Jesus gave him a security to live out his life in a way, in ministry, in a way that helped him overcome some incredible threats to the gospel, to the church, to his personal life, how he was able to do that because his identity was in Christ. In this passage in Galatians, Paul was arguing like a defense attorney Against false teachers who were attacking his character, the gospel that he preached, and his call to be an apostle. They attacked his character and his calling because they believed that if they could convince the Galatians that he didn't have any authority to lead, that his word didn't matter, that they could get them to abandon the gospel of grace and exchange it for a legalism. That required people to follow laws and traditions in order to earn God's favor. And if that were to happen, if Paul was to lose this fight, if he was to lose this argument, then everything he worked for to plant those churches, to win those people to Christ, to develop them into faithful followers, it would have all been for nothing. And so Paul felt like everything was on the line. And he was able to respond to this attack in a way that brought security and stability and in a way that preserved the gospel for the Galatians. And he was able to do it because his identity was anchored in Jesus Christ. We can do it too. As we dive into this passage, I I just, before we do, I want to pray one more time. I want to pray for the believers that Pastor Paul was worshiping with this morning. The IMB missionaries that we support. I want to pray for him and that ministry that we're doing over there. And I also want to ask God one more time to perfect his power through my great weakness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we really do have an identity problem. We face the challenges and problems in our lives all the time, forgetting that we are yours, that you fight battles for us. Lord, we place our security in things that can never, ever give us any kind of purpose, meaning, or true sense of peace and stability. And so, God, I pray that you would bring us back to identifying with you and your mission this morning. And and as we do that, as you do that, I ask that you would be with the missionaries that, that Paul was worshiping with this morning. That you would encourage them, strengthen them by your grace and give them fruitful ministries. Lord, we ask that the funds that we have given that have gone to their support would be multiplied for the advancement of the gospel. And Lord, help us to identify with your mission like they do. Father, in your great power, I just ask that you would perfect that power through my great weakness. And that your Holy Spirit would move among us this morning. Do that for Gary and Caleb too, please. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Galatians chapter 1, Verses 11 through 24, I want you to see the way Paul models three ways for Christ followers to express their security when their identity is in Christ. We will benefit from attaching our security to Jesus in every area of life, but these are three ways that I see Paul expressing that security the freedom it gives him to take risks and to lead for the advancement of the gospel and I believe that if our security is in Christ and our identity is, then we will identify with his mission too and then that will be expressed in certain ways we see those expressions of security here the first is those who have their security in Christ those who identify with him will identify with his mission and risk everything to advance the gospel. Beginning in verse 11, Paul says, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. Here's what's happening. Paul is being accused of being a liar. He's not a true apostle. He received his gospel from Peter, James, and John. It's, or he came up with it himself. All these slanders and lies were being spoken against him. He can't be trusted. And these religious leaders who were Jewish and were committed to the practices and and the laws and the traditions of Judaism, they were saying that in order for God to accept you, in order for God to forgive you, you not only have to trust Jesus for salvation, but then you need to start following all these rules or else you will no longer be saved and forgiven. And so Paul was arguing to defend himself, his calling, and the gospel that he received from Jesus. And those two things he received at the same time on the road to Damascus. He got them directly from Jesus and they were so closely connected that he couldn't argue for the validity of the gospel of grace without also arguing for the reliability of his calling. And so he argued for both his character, his calling, and the message. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew there was a fight coming, any kind, I might would start thinking about who could I invite to help me. And Paul had tremendous support. He could have reached out to Peter, James, and John and said, hey, can you speak on my behalf? He could have appealed to the authority of the other apostles, but he didn't. He chose to fight this battle on his own, not reaching out for any help. Because he wanted the Galatian believers to understand That there was no need to reach out to anyone else for support. The fact that he got his gospel directly from Jesus Christ. The fact that he got his calling to be an apostle directly from Jesus Christ. There was no other authority needed. That was it. That was all he needed. To be able to persuade them to hold on tightly to the gospel of grace. And he was able to bring stability to that unstable situation because he was was confident in the God that he attached his identity to. And he was able to focus on advancing the gospel and not on how it was affecting him because he understood to, to identify with Jesus means to identify with his mission and his mission is to, exa- to, to advance the gospel. That mission is a part of who we are. I heard a story about a young lady who was playing high school softball in North Carolina, right outside of Raleigh. And she walked up to the batter's box. This little, ch- this little chalk circle that you stand in and Warm up and swing your bat while you're getting ready for your turn to hit. And this spot where she was warming up and getting ready was right in front of the fans, the the home home team fans. Her team was getting beat badly. The pitcher on the other team was so good that she was just striking out one batter after another. Nobody could get a hit. And about halfway through the game, the fans started getting frustrated. And a group of them decided that they wanted to throw this pitcher off her game. And so they started hurling insults at her. Making fun of her. Criticizing her. And as that young lady stood there, she heard that. And she snapped around and she said, stop it. Don't say things like that anymore. Sometimes we have to be willing to stand alone against the attacks of the gospel. And the only way we can do that is if our identity is in Christ. Now don't leave here saying, Nick said I should fight every battle on my own. That can come from a place of insecurity too, but there are times where we may be the only ones in a position to stand up for what's right. There's nothing more right been telling other people about how they can experience salvation through Jesus Christ. And he's called us to advance that mission. He's called us to live in a way that helps others see how great Jesus is. He's also called us to verbally explain how other people can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we know that we have we have stuck our identity to creation and not the creator when we avoid doing that because we're afraid of how it will affect our reputation how it will affect our relationships how it will affect our jobs like Paul it will cost us something but in our identity in Christ and the security that brings we can also say Jesus is worth it so one We see in Paul's life and ministry, this example of being willing to risk everything to advance the gospel. He says this in Acts 20, verse 23 through 24, when he explained what his ministry was going to look like. He said, the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish the course of ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Risk everything to advance the gospel. Two, speak honestly about your sin to advance the gospel. Look what Paul does here. He says in verse 14, no, he says in verse 13, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. Paul does something here that makes a lot of people nervous. He tells them about the worst things that he had done in his life. The things that brought him the most shame and the most embarrassment. When Paul said, I am the worst of all sinners, I think he truly believed it. Because of what he explained that he had done just a moment ago. You see, Paul was A fanatical religious leader. He was from the most extreme sect of Judaism. Of this group of Pharisees. And as a result of his fanaticism. He was just not trying to strictly live out. The laws and traditions of his forefathers and of Judaism. But he was punishing people who didn't. And so, this zealousness, this fanaticism moved him to punish and imprison Christians and to actively work to destroy Christian churches. To work against Jesus for this purpose. If you remember on the road to Damascus, Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? Paul had exposed something that he did that was really, really awful. But he felt the freedom to do it because he knew that his identity was secure in Christ. And he believed that what Jesus had did in his life and sharing that with others was of greater importance than what anyone else would think about him and his worst sin. I remember eighth grade PE class I was playing basketball and minding my own business. When Eric decided he wanted to start a fight with me, some unkind words were said. And the kids in the class started to press in, and with each second, it seemed like the only option was a fight. Then the PE teacher comes at us yelling, and I thought for sure he was going to break it up. And then he said, are you going to stand there looking like idiots, or are you going to fight? Then Eric threw the basketball at me and charged me, and I put him in a headlock and just started punching him in the face over and over. And I thought, it seemed like forever. The coach broke it up and took us to his office, and there we were sitting, Eric with a swollen eye and me with swollen knuckles. And the coach said this, boys, There's one of two options. I could either send you to the principal and you'll both get expelled. Or we can forget it ever happened. Like, y'all know what we chose, right? Like, we're forgetting this ever happened. I'm not proud of that because it was one incident that is a snapshot of what my life looked like at that time. I averaged 95 referrals to the dean's office a year. I was constantly kicked out of every class. And I lied on a regular basis to get out of a lot of trouble. Why would I tell you that? I don't mean this to sound unkind, but I just don't care what you think about my sin for a variety of reasons. One, I don't think anyone here is is better than me. And they're not better than you either. But more importantly than that, God can use my story to magnify the greatness of his salvation, but it can't happen unless I'm willing to talk about my specific sins. And so Paul was basically saying, I'm not worried about what anyone thinks of me here. I'm just using how bad my life was to magnify this idea that the gospel I received had to come from Jesus because I would have never given up my power, my authority, or share my worst sins with the world unless it was true. And so there's this idea... That God wants us to talk about our sin for that purpose. In 1 Corinthians 4.3, Paul says the same thing to the Corinthians, but in a different way. He says, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not, I'm thereby not acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. And I believe that's whose hands Paul wanted the judgment in. He was basically saying that your judgments of me and how I live don't matter, and and mine of you don't matter. That doesn't make me innocent. The fact is it's just it'll just be in God's hands. And so if I could talk openly about my sins, not in a general way, but in a specific way, and then point others to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that'll advance the gospel and that's worth it. Sometimes the temptation is to just say that I'm a sinner like everybody else. And it's easy to use that as a shield to not have to talk about our specific sins. But in those moments when God gives opportunity to help another person, it will advance his mission to say, you know what I did? And the God who forgave me, he, he will forgive you too. Our security in Jesus Christ will free us up to talk about our sin because we know that that sin's already been covered by the blood of Jesus. And it'll help others. So, this security we have in Christ should lead us to risk everything to advance the gospel, to speak honestly about our sin, and To give other believers a reason to glorify God. Look with me in verses 22 through 24. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Paul was willing to talk about his sin, but he was also willing to emphasize how Jesus has changed his life and how it had affected the church, how it impacted people's relationship with Christ. He was being persecuted. He was suffering to advance the gospel. He was giving all that he had to these new believers in these churches And people started to hear about it. We can see in Acts that even after Paul's conversion, he was still looked at by all believers with a cloud of suspicion. Paul was sent to a man to receive his ministry assignment. And that man Ananias said, God, you want me to meet with who? and after his conversion and he began preaching the gospel these um, these uh... these Christians in Judea were still afraid of him they doubted that he was saved and even the apostles were still suspicious of the apostle Paul but over a three-year period of preaching the gospel suffering for Jesus people heard About the things that were happening in his life. And their minds changed. And instead of fearing him. Instead of doubting the work that God could do in his life. The natural response was to begin glorifying God. For what he did through Paul's life. And I believe. That the only thing that can free us up to live in obedience to God, to break the chains of those things that hang us up and hold us back, that the only way is to securely have our identity anchored in Christ to where we find all of our satisfaction in Him. Paul Tripp says that we will always attach our identity to something, it will either be to the Creator. Or to the creation. And if we do what. As sinners we want to do. And we attach it to creation. Then nothing in that creation. Will ever truly satisfy us. And we will just want more. 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 And more. We will never be able to break those chains. But when we identify with Jesus. And his mission. Then we get the. The strength, the ability to break those chains and to live in obedience to Jesus in a way that causes others to praise and give glory to God. Jesus saved me the summer after I got in that fight. And He changed my heart. He brought me to the place where I didn't want to get in trouble anymore. It didn't happen all at once. It was a process. I still got in some trouble in ninth grade. I got in a little less in 10th grade. But the day I walked in to my 11th grade year was the first year I had never been sent to the dean's office. Never got in trouble again in school. And my GPA, which was a 1.7, a low D, starting my junior year went up to about a 3.5. There was this teacher that I had in history class. And I would walk in every day in my freshman year and she'd say, Nick, are you going to cause any trouble today? She, She would just ask me to leave all the time. I had her for a study hall class my senior year. And the second week I was in her class, she said, Nick, I don't know what's happened. But there's been a dramatic change in your life. And I was wondering if you would be willing to sit down and talk to some of my students who are really struggling. there are people who knew me then during my worst seasons of life who still reach out to me and let me know that they're praising God for what He's done in my life. And and if He can do that in my life, then He can do that in yours too. And I promise you, I promise you that if you will identify with Christ in a way that leads you to follow the commands of Christ, then people will be glorifying God for what he's doing in and through you as well. Our security will tell us, our security in creation will tell us that we've got to hold on to as much money as we can. But when our security is in Jesus, it frees us up to give to those who have greater need than us. When our security is in our job and someone in a staff meeting says something derogatory or attacks us or causes us to to look less in someone else's eyes, that insecurity will, will lead us to undermine them or to attack them back but when our identity is in Christ and we're identifying with his mission that security in him will lead us to respond in loving ways to those who are unkind to us identifying with Christ changes our whole life and so if there are some believers here you know God saved you you know that he has changed your life. But you've been living with that identity amnesia. That I want to ask you to recommit yourself this morning. This is an intentional decision. You choose how you want to identify. Recommit and make that choice to identify with your Savior, Jesus Christ. So that you can be the person who's willing... To take that stand to advance the gospel. That person who feels the freedom to talk about your specific sins to advance the gospel. And that person who lives in obedience to Jesus in a way that causes others to glorify God and strengthens their faith. You may be here this morning. And you know you've never identified with Jesus. You don't know if he accepts you. You don't know if you've been forgiven. You know that your entire life, your identity has been tied to a relationship, your children, your money, your job, your cars, something. And I want to encourage you with this last story. It was World War II. And a group of orphans were rescued from the beaches of Normandy. And taken to an allied camp. And no matter what they did. These officers could not get these kids to go to sleep at night. The trauma had unsettled them. They just couldn't rest or relax. And one night a, a private. Who was coming in and visiting with the kids late at night. Trying to get them to go to sleep. Had this idea. He went and got some bread and he gave every child a loaf of bread and to everyone's amazement the children all slept soundly throughout the night. They were so worried about not being able to eat the next day that their anxiety was keeping them up through the night. This private figured it out. And once they had that bread, they felt more secure, more at peace, and they were able to rest. In the Bible, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. And when you have that, when you have it, all the insecurities that, that, that arise in you and in this world. That they will have no more power over you. Because the bread of life will satisfy every desire. And it will give you God's perfect peace. But there is only one way for you to receive that. You have to admit to God that you are a sinner. That you have offended him. By living your way instead of his. More than that, that. It's not just about the sins you committed. But it's the fact that you are a sinner. That, that you sin because you're a sinner. You're, you're not a sinner because you sinned. That you have offended God. And that if he is right and just and he is. Then you deserve to be punished for all of eternity in a place the Bible calls hell. Separated from him. With no peace in this life or in the next. But that you also believe that what Jesus did on the cross in dying for you was good enough to make you acceptable to God. Because on the cross, he took all of your sin, the punishment for your sin, all of your embarrassments, all of your failures, all of your perfections, anything that would keep God from accepting you, He absorbed it so that you could receive forgiveness, new spiritual life, and the promise of an eternity with God forever, no matter what you've done. When you confess your sin, confess that belief to God, and then confess your commitment, to living his way instead of yours, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God will come inside of you, give you new spiritual life, and that your identity and your future will be securely locked to Jesus from now and through eternity. I want to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. if you're a believer here and the circumstances of life have just overwhelmed you you're at a place of instability, worry, anxiety and you need to make that commitment to re-identify with Jesus will you raise your hand so that I can pray for you? Thank you Thank you. Praise God. And there's others of you. Today's the day that you need to trust Christ for salvation. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. I'm going to pray a prayer. We call this the sinner's prayer, the salvation prayer. It doesn't matter what you call it. And really even... This prayer is not some magical thing that gets you saved. It's really just a matter of are you communicating to God what you truly believe in your soul? And if you do and you want to surrender your life to Christ today, then I just want to ask that you pray this prayer with me as a way of telling God what you believe and what you want. I'm going to pray part of the prayer and then give you a chance to pray part of that prayer. And then I'll pray another part and give you a chance to pray that part. If you want to surrender your life to Christ, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that you love me. I also know that you can accept me the way that I am. I am a sinner. I have offended you and I deserve your punishment. But God, I'm asking you to forgive me, to come into my life and take control. I believe that what Jesus did is good enough to make me acceptable to you. I believe he died on the cross to be punished for my sin. I believe he rose from the dead on the third day. And I believe he's in heaven now ready to save me. So God, in this moment, I am trusting Jesus for salvation. And I commit my life to living his way. Please give me this security that can only be found in Christ. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand so that I could see you? I'm not going to come to you, point attention to you. I just want to be encouraged by how God's working in your life. Praise the Lord. God, I thank you for the sister who surrendered her life to Christ. Let her, let me, let everyone in this room feel the freedom that comes from identifying with Jesus. And Lord, I pray that in that freedom that we break free from the chains that keep us from doing things like seeking your forgiveness and seeking the forgiveness of others, forgiving others, the chains of addiction, that they would all be broken as we strengthen and recommit ourselves to identifying with Jesus. Lord, we thank you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship.